0: Hello friends, my name is Neil and welcome to episode 61 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers and or listening device. I am joined, of course, by my very own boy Wonder Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I thought you were going to do that voice for the rest of the podcast. Oh, no, I thought we were just testing the microphone. No, that, that was that was your greeting this oh, week. Okay. <laughs> What's coming up on this week's show, Boy Wonder? I don't know.
1: I I don't look at the board.
0: The door. Uh, So we have got four news stories to talk about this week. We have some Star Trek news and then lots of DC news, obviously. And then in our reviews, we're going to be discussing Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We've also got a review of Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms, the brand new animated film, in which we're also going to be joined by writer Jeremy Adams and producer Rick Morales to discuss the film. And then we have something a little bit different for this podcast to discuss, do we not? Yes. We're going to write a musical, oh, yeah, or a musical yeah. film, so I'm relying heavily on you because I don't really like musicals, however loved this, because um, we're going to be discussing Apple TV's new filmed version of the stage musical Come From Away, which we happened to see just a couple of days live in the theatre before watching this version.
1: It's been a very Come From Away heavy week. Hmm.
0: So, without further ado, on with the news. First up in the news this week, we have some casting news from the second season of Paramount Plus and, in this country, Amazon Prime Video's Star Trek Picard. The series wrapped filming on season two this week and will begin series three in the next couple of weeks as they're filming it back to back. And it has been revealed that Marvel's Runaways star Annie Wershing will be playing a version of wait for it the Borg Queen recurring in season two we don't know how many episodes that she's going to be in but it is it's fully confirmed so you will remember that the the character first appeared in Star Trek First Contact when she was played by Alice Cridge who subsequently didn't play her for a number of episodes of Voyager where she was played by Susanna Thompson otherwise known as Moira Queen from Arrow and then Alice Cridge returned for the Voyager series finale so now Annie Wershing's taking over the role for a number of episodes in season two of Picard. What do we think about this little revelation? Well the Borg, eh? Interesting, yeah. Are we flashy backing or? Well, there's no there was no indication of the Borg in the trailer that we saw, was there? We saw the alternate sort of timeline where everyone is in a different position to where they are now, completely deborged, seven of nine, um Picard and Q. Everyone sort of in different positions to where they, they were in season one. So we're a little bit in the dark, other than knowing that they're going to be traversing some sort of potential parallel future timeline. So I wonder how the Borg factor into that.
1: Well, we'll have to wait and see.
0: At this stage, all we know is that season two will premiere at some point during 2022. Uh, whether season two and three will premiere next year, I don't know, or whether they'll string out releasing the two of them. But as far as we're aware, I think season three will be the final season of this show and that will wrap up the Picard storyline. More casting news, as it's also been confirmed this week that Bridget Reagan, who some of you will remember from Marvel's agent Carter, is going to be playing the role of Pamela Isley slash Poison Ivy in season three of the CW's Batwoman. Would you like to explain to me what that grimace was about?
1: Oh, did I make a face? You made a face. Oh, I made a face, didn't I? Um, I don't know. I just hope they do well. Hmm. I don't want it to be Gotham again.
0: Where there was... Like seven of them. Like, kid version, early 20s version, adult version. There was three of them, wasn't there, I think? Although, an interesting take on the character, but I know what you mean. It wasn't overly faithful to the comics. The casting comes following the the season two finale cliffhanger, where after um, the original Kate Kane, now with a new face raided the Batcave we see several of the things that she stole from the Batcave washing up on the banks of the Gotham River one of those things being was it an umbrella or a top hat for the penguin and then the vines come growing onto the banks of the river so there may well be more casting news to come we might be about to find out that someone is also playing penguin in this latest season but we'll have to wait and see Uh, a lot of people had Bridget Reagan high on their casting list for Poison Ivy be it in film or TV she was a bit of a badass in uh, Agent Carter she was in season Two, I think it was What was it season one she was the crazy neighbour that was a secret agent that went around killing people she was very good in it um, not that I can remember which which season it was but you know it's been a while since I've watched it do you have any thoughts on this I suppose you didn't really keep up with season two
1: no I, I really want to like Batgirl woman Batwoman I like Batgirl as well <laughs> um, I really want to like it but I, I just can't
0: now you mentioned Batgirl There is a new rumour going around on that one, which I hadn't included in the news for today, just because it's not been hugely widely reported yet, but they are still on track to to start production on the Batgirl film later this year, probably in November, uh, in Scotland. Wow. I think... I was about to say, Gotham is uh, doubling for Glasgow once again, but Glasgow, I believe, is going to be doubling for Gotham again. That seems to be Warner Brothers' favourite choice for being a live-action Gotham City at the moment is is somewhere like Glasgow.
1: Well. Hmm. Well.
0: I would imagine we will find out more about that at Fandome, which we will be talking about in just a moment. But first, we need to discuss the brand-new trailer for Season 3 of HBO Max's Doom Patrol. So the series returns to HBO Max on September the 23rd, 2021. It will eventually come to Stars Play here in the UK, as with season one and two, but we don't know when just yet we'll keep you updated. My God, there's a lot to unpack in this trailer. Where do you want to start? with I, this one
1: i don't know if there was a start or a beginning let's start with madame rouge
0: madame rouge played by the lovely michelle gomez i would said to you i was really happy to hear that she has her scottish accent naturally in this rather than um her doing an american accent
1: i do prefer it when she's a wee has a wee glasgow twang and she's an evil genius at the same time
0: well it worked really well for her in um The flight attendant so it's it's nice to see that carried over into into this one so i'm excited to see what she does with madame rouge i don't get the sense from that that she's going to kill off a certain major character in this series but maybe they're going to twist it and shock us
1: you never know i mean she was a she's a bad lady in the comics but it may have have changed things she's in a a time machine Maybe they get some timey way
0: she certainly seems to be sort of working with them not against them doesn't she but i suppose there could be an ulterior motive to that
1: there could be. There could be.
0: There is a different version of that trailer that has been released. I've not actually seen it, but it features a little bit more footage and does show Dorothy. There's a prevailing theory that Dorothy will um, disappear off with the Dead Boy Detectives, which has also now been confirmed to have been picked up as a pilot for HBO Max and soon to be a Doom Patrol spin off. Uh, more on that when we know more about it. That's literally all that we know at this point. Uh, so Dorothy is still in there, which is interesting because she wasn't really featured in, in this version of the trailer at all.
1: No, it's, I suppose i are going to have to finish off series two because I never got to finish that and then it looks like they're just going to go straight into something completely new with no chief and no Dorothy.
0: I really hope that they did film... Uh, they had started filming what should have been the finale of the last season. I just think they didn't finish it because I think it would be weird to pick up... Although, to be fair, if any show was going to pull it off, it would be Doom Patrol. But it would be weird to pick up from where the last episode left off and not have the chief be there at all. For, for anybody that's not aware uh, <laughs> Dr. Niles Calder has decided not to be in this series uh, Sir Timothy of Dalton uh, obviously lives in the UK and most of this series was shot during quite serious COVID pandemic times so he chose to, to not appear in this season just so that he, he wasn't exposed or in, in need of travelling he stayed home so there won't be any chief but I I really hope there's some footage of him at the beginning there.
1: There must be because in the first teaser trailer we got to see the resolution because they're all breaking out of the wax and yeah.
0: Stuff. So I presume that that was filmed beforehand, and that'll just be how it kicks off the season. What else uh, did you, did you pick up on in this menagerie of madness?
1: Um, so quite a lot of exciting things. So we've got the Brotherhood of Evil.
0: I so and it should be as per the comics the Brotherhood of Dada as well, right? Yes so we've done an agenda thing here that we've got the Brotherhood of Evil and the Sisterhood of Dada so they're, they're fighting both genders as it were.
1: Yeah, I mean I suppose it's interesting, so Mr. Nobody applied originally to the Brotherhood of Evil but they sort of laughed at him and said go away and then he then sets up the Brotherhood of Dada
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, which is like reject super villains and they're the weirdest group of super villains you'll ever come across, so it's like yeah. a man with a retractable hands and just bizarre. But
0: they don't they do some quite serious damage to the Doom Patrol in the comics?
1: So they do, but they've kind of we've touched on some of the stuff they've already done. So in series one, series two, they had the painting where people got trapped in the painting. Yes. That was a Brotherhood of Da-Da. Uh, you've got to say it quickly. You've got to get the drama across Da-Da. Um, so that was one of their, one of their plots, because that's how they ultimately defeat them, because they, they trapped them in the picture.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I remember you telling me that before.
1: There's also a little glimpse of one of their other major ploys in this in this trailer which is the bicycle at the end
0: yeah so what's the bicycle about tell me
1: about that so that's a it's a magic bicycle that when you ride it it kind of gives off waves of lsd <laughs> oh so that would be why
0: uh, cliff then says
1: i'm so high yeah so it, it makes everybody feel happy and spaced out so it's lsd so in the comics mr nobody rides the bicycle across america and they and they've got like a, a school bus of evil or something it's ridiculous. And it just turns everybody high and happy and then they okay. stop
0: it. Okay, that's very random.
1: And you've also got a bit of Danny as well. Yeah, now, was that in
0: the first trailer or this trailer? I think it was the first trailer. We, uh, you're going to have to explain that to me again. He's an ambulance now, isn't he? He's an ambulance now, yeah. So Which he... is the... That's a Jared Way. Jared Way version of Doom Patrol.
1: Yeah. Do you remember what well, Danny of the Street died? Yes. Yes. And then when they had the...
0: Danny the... Oh, it was the funeral, wasn't it? The was funeral. It was a funeral party. Yeah, and then they had Danny the wheel. Yes.
1: So obviously he's transformed into an ambulance. Hmm. I'll assume it's going to be an ambulance.
0: I'm trying to think what else I spotted in there. We left Jane in quite a perilous spot, didn't we not, at the end of season two? Was she not thrown down a well in the underground and somebody else was... I forget now who was permanently in control.
1: Yeah, so one of the original personalities come oh, back course, yeah. and reasserted her dominance.
0: So there's a lot to pick up on on there, and she's clearly back in the team, or in some respects, someone is driving the bus in that one.
1: Yeah, someone's there, so we'll see what happens. So some there's a couple of clips where they've got somebody with a noose around their neck, one of the other personalities, and so we'll see what happens.
0: What do you think about the look of the Brotherhood of Evil?
1: I like the look of Brotherhood of Evil. It's a very good motillon. They say it's the monkey, isn't it?
0: (laughs) The ape, yeah. He uh, he looks obviously obviously fully CGI rather than some sort of prosthetic setup, uh, but he looks pretty good. And then the brain.
1: Which we've seen a glimpse of from series one.
0: We did, didn't we? Yeah, looks awesome. It's, It's going to be crazy. I don't know how many episodes there are. I presume there's going to be 10 as per what was supposed to have been done last season as well. And the bums are back. The bums are back in town. Uh, yep, I just confirmed there are 10 episodes in season 3 While you were uh, uh, saying that There was 15 episodes in season 1 9 in season 2 And so there's going to be 10 in season 3
1: okay. I'm excited about the bums
0: Yeah, they, uh like how they do it in the trailer Where they say the the Emmy nominated series Is back to kick some ass And then it's the bums They look pretty menacing this time around
1: Well they're very menacing bums So I wonder if we get to go to the ant farm this year Or if we can mention the ant farm I don't know
0: There's quite a lot going on with Cyborg in this trailer as well. So his lights have turned blue rather than red and he's worried about being cut off. So is that the... Because he came from the ant farm, did he not?
1: No. So Larry came from the ant farm.
0: Larry came from the ant farm. He came from Star Labs. I wonder if Star Labs have cut him off. Maybe. Maybe his Wi-Fi's (laughs) down. Maybe he needs a better service provider. Anything else you want to pick up on this or should we give it till September the 23rd when it's back so we can start doing... Doom Patrol hour.
1: Let's let's save it till September the twenty third for Doom Patrol. I think I'm busy that day.
0: Oh dear, that's not good, is it? That's
1: not good. I'm going to have to clear my diary. (laughs) Uh,
0: I don't know how many episodes are premiering that day. I don't know if they're doing a similar thing to what they did with Titans and debuting three episodes and then the rest after that. I'm not quite sure. We'll have to keep you posted on that one. But you can expect to hear more about Doom Patrol and Titans and several other properties at DC's upcoming fandom event which this year is taking place on October the 16th. It will be premiering from 6 p.m. here in the UK and it's going to run for roughly 4 hours for a pro- for the programming block this time around. But Warner Brothers and DC has confirmed everything basically that's going to be included apart from I guess any surprises. So, Warner Brothers Pictures will be showcasing 6 of their highly anticipated movies from the DC slate including and let me know whether you're excited as I say the titles, Boy Wonder. The Batman. Yes. DC League of Super Pets. Um, <laughs> so you're going to say, what's that? Black Adam. Yeah. The Flash. Yes. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Is
1: that a real film or an animated film? Not real it's film. It's the sequel. Oh, really? Okay. Oh,
0: yeah. So this is Warner Brothers Pictures live action DC films that are going to be there. Well, actually, I suppose League of Super Pets isn't live action. That's animated, but you know what I mean. And Shazam! Fury of the Gods. From the CW-verse, we've got Batwoman, The Flash, Superman and Lois, DC Legends of Tomorrow, DC Stargirl and Naomi. There's also going to be some news on the second season of Netflix is Sweet Tooth, which is Ooh. the one produced by Robert Downey Jr., which we still actually need to finish. Are we getting a Naomi series? Yeah, so Ava DuVernay has uh, done the pilot for Naomi, which has finished and been picked up to series. So we will get a first look of it at uh, Fandom. Ooh. It's not, it's similar to Stargirl in that it's Arrowverse, CW-verse, but not the same Earth, as it were. You know how Stargirl is not on the same Earth as the Flash and everyone else? Yeah. Naomi will be the same.
1: Oh, okay, so she's not going to be part of Stargirl's Earth.
0: Uh, I, well, not that I know of. She might be. Um, but she will. she's not going to be in the main mix. It's going to be elsewhere in the, the CW-verse multiverse. Oh, fair enough. Multiverse.
1: That's where she did kind of start off. On the Wonder Imprints anyway. Yeah, before they brought her in. Young Justice and then she's in
0: Justice League. Yes. So DC Publishing will honour the legacy of one of the world's greatest superheroes and an icon of truth and equality, Wonder Woman, with a showcase of three upcoming books. DC will be exploring her history with the DC Black Label miniseries Wonder Woman Historia, expanding on the Amazon mythos with Nubia and the Amazons, and honouring the inspiration that she's provided to women around the world with the original graphic novel Wonderful Women of the World. So DC will share details of the next installment of the epic universe spanning Batman Fortnite crossover comic and fans can also expect to hear more about the upcoming Batman Fear State and the new six issue Black Manta series, The Return of Milestone Universe and much much more from the comics. Warner Brothers Animation is also going to be on hand with a number of projects so they are going to be giving us a first look at Aquaman King of Atlantis the animated series Also, the recently announced Batman Caped Crusader, which brings back Bruce Tim, and we'll have him working with the Batman director, Matt Reeves, on a new animated Dark Knight. There's also going to be a special, spoilerific apparently, preview of Young Justice Phantoms, the upcoming fourth season, and we'll be getting our first look at the third season of Harley Quinn.
1: Very exciting.
0: Yeah. Then HBO Max will also be getting in on the action and bringing a first look at Peacemaker, starring John Cena, and overall written by and showrun by James Gunn. They'll also be showing off the limited event series DMZ, which is based on the DC property, and they'll be bringing the sneak peeks of Titans and Doom Patrol. Finally, Warner Brothers Games will also be bringing back two games that were announced at last year's fandom, both Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Oh, God, sorry, there's two more. Uh, So Warner Brothers Home Entertainment will be on hand to preview Injustice, which is the animated film adapting the games, and next year's anime-inspired Catwoman Hunted animated movie.
1: Bloody hell. All that in four hours. That's going to be a jam-packed four hours.
0: Yeah, I don't quite know how we're going to cover all of that. The whole event will be streaming across uh, YouTube and DCFandome.com, as well as DC's, I think, Twitch channel as well. There will also be DC Kids Fandom, which will be a kid-friendly version, which you can access via dckidsfandom.com. And I've just got to the end of the press release, which does say will be available on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, giving fans more ways to watch events unfolding in the Hall of Heroes. I'm looking forward to all of it. What are you looking forward to? All of it. The wording of the press release does say that we will see a brand new trailer for the Batman, as well as a first look at Black Adam and a sneak peek of The Flash and then further content from Aquaman and Shazam. So I'm not sure what we'll see from either of those just yet, but definitely a Batman trailer, definitely Black Adam footage, definitely, I think, the featurette for The Flash, of which some of the footage is already leaked online. You'll remember a few months back, there was that kind of production imagery that showed off a few of the set pieces from the film. We saw the Batcave, we saw all of the heroes together kind of breaking out what might have been Supergirl or a Superman uh, so that footage, I think, will be officially released at Fandom. We're pretty sure that that's where that came from.
1: There we see Keaton suited up.
0: I would imagine they'll probably push that in there.
1: I would lose my shit.
0: Hmm. I wasn't wholly convinced that he would suit up. Obviously, the, the photo, I say photo, the production imagery that we saw at last year's Fandom was Flash and Keaton's Batman suited up. But part of me wondered whether that was just to tease people And part of kind of the pitch of bringing the film in that they would bring him back. But no, he's talked about being suited up. So it's happening.
1: He's got his Nikes back on.
0: He's got his Nikes back on, yep. So in case I haven't said it enough, DC Fandom is streaming globally on October the 16th, 2021. Head to dcfandome.com to watch it. And for all the other news about it, head to our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. That's it for this week's news, on to our first. Day. I'm going to try and pronounce this one properly throughout it now that I've seen the film and have heard him tell me how I should pronounce it. So, Marvel Studios' Shang Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings is available in cinemas globally now. It's directed by Destin Daniel Cretan, from a script by Daniel Callahan, and stars Simu Lu, Tony Lung, and Aquafina, amongst many others, including the absolutely wonderful and delightful Michelle Yeoh. The official synopsis for this film is Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings stars Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, who must confront the past he thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organisation. That's fairly brief and nondescript. Where should we start with this one? Did you enjoy Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yes. Why are you giving me sass face? Do we have to tell the story to the listeners at home? I'm not giving you any face. Oh, Really? then why are you smiling i've got wind right so if you follow us on social media you may have spotted that i attended the uh uk press screening of shang chi and the legend of the ten rings Uh, not the one that the cast was at. i wasn't quite that lucky although i did see it before the cast Uh, but if you if you spotted the photos on social media you'll know that i went with uh, james who's written the review of this film for us on the website and not martin uh because James was writing the review, and so I was very lucky that I was technically his plus one, but that was our invite to f- to see the film from-, from Disney. And so Martin didn't see it, and has only just now seen it, now that it's out in the world, and has been sassing me ever since the screening about the fact that he didn't see it. Haven't you? Hmm? W- really? Were you not listening? No, I was listening. Okay. Uh, so, tell tell us, what did you enjoy about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Um, well, I got to see it, so I enjoyed that. <laughs>
1: Right. And that was good. And I enjoyed everything else.
0: So you come from a martial arts background, do you not?
1: Um, I wouldn't call... Well, yeah. You had a black belt. Uh, Almost had a black belt. What's the one before it? Brown? Uh, Well, it was red with a black stripe. So I was one test away.
0: Oh, right. Okay. So you were red with a black stripe. So... You know, we've talked in the past on this podcast about your, your love of martial arts films. Let's take it from that standpoint. Did did this live up to Marvel Does Martial Arts? I think it did for me, yeah. Was it... Obviously, the fighting styles to me mean absolutely nothing. It just looks cool. Was it very authentic?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: I think for me, this is one of Marvel's best films when it comes to the to the action. I think it's incredibly well choreographed. Every, every single fight sequence.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's probably the most actual fighting you've seen in the Marvel film that's not cgi
0: yeah that's that's the thing is it is it's very very real it's not just sort of two cgi creatures or live action person in giant suit fighting cgi creature it's hand-to-hand combat for the majority obviously towards the end it gets a little bit more fantastical but it does feel very real and i think that i really appreciate that i agree what do you think of the story and i just want to caveat this I think it's excellent and James said in our review that he also thinks it's an excellent story but there are some out there who feel like there is a, a very human story and a very martial arts type story and a, and the origin that's in there in the first kind of half of the film and that in the second when things begin to escalate it becomes too fantastical uh, with no spoilers by the way at this point we will maybe put a spoiler alert before we talk about a few other points but how did you feel about that the way it kind of traverses from San Francisco based origin story through to Macau through to where they end up.
1: I mean I didn't mind it. I don't know anything about the comic book of Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. And...
0: So I know very little as well. I know the character of the Mandarin who obviously is not called the Mandarin here because of Trevor and Iron Man 3. I know him from the the 90s Iron Man cartoon because he was the villain in that and that is pretty much my whole knowledge of that character. My understanding is that a lot of the character of Shang-Chi and the Mandarin and that world has been recontextualized to make it more faithful. And I don't want to say more politically correct, but less white American guy writes Asian history. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yes. I mean, so the, the, the director is obviously of Asian descent as well, as are much of the cast, much of the people behind the scenes. So this is a much more culturally relevant version of the character, I think. So I don't think you need to worry about too much of the, the past. But did it work for you where it ends up?
1: I think it did. I mean, it did get a little bit more of a CGI villain at the yeah. end, but uh, I didn't mean that.
0: That formula is always there. Yeah. It's ever present in that they feel like you need to go big in the third act.
1: Which is what they did, and then you have the happy ending, and it's all fine, and then you've got the nice teasers at the end.
0: Mm, Yes, if you've not yet seen Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, then uh, there are two credit scenes, as Marvel quite often does. So there's one that happens pretty quickly after the kind of really nicely stylized credits, and then one at the very, very end. And unusually, it's not a case of one that is set up for the future and one which is more comedic. Both of them are are set up for future storylines. It feels a little redundant to talk about this, but what about the kind of the special effects? Is it typical Marvel? Is it maybe a little bit more conservative because it's a new character, new origin? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I just felt, I mean, it was very typical Marvel for me, I think. Yeah, From same CGI. for me.
0: There's a couple of bits which don't work for me as well. There's a scene in the kind of opening uh, monologue story where Tony Lung's character is um, thrown out of a car, which almost where the car obviously goes off a cliff and I feel like that. there's some very obvious green screen and CGI work there. The the landscape doesn't feel very real to me, but that's a very minor niggle, considering some of the other stuff that happens in this film.
1: I think I remember thinking, oh, it's a Black Widow moment there when she jumps up the plane.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's what I thought as well. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. Something which I think has surprised a lot of people as well is the fact that much of the film is not English language. I know you're not a great fan of reading at the cinema, so did this work for you here?
1: I didn't mind it. It was very authentic to the the theme of the film and the culture, so I don't mind that.
0: Yeah, you could feel that, really, couldn't you? You could feel that it was Marvel really trying to make sure that it was faithful to the audience that it is being portrayed on screen. Honestly, I have very little to criticise about this film. It's landed, I say, as I pick up my phone to check where I put it on my Marvel ranking uh, on Letterboxd, but it's landed very high in my rankings. Where would you put this in your Marvel rankings of all time?
1: Uh I put it firmly number
0: one. Wow. I put it it's uh it's my number six. So my number one is Infinity War.
1: Oh yeah, bumped out for me.
0: My number two is Civil War. Bumped that. My number three is Winter Soldier. Yeah, bumped that. <laughs> my number four is Homecoming.
1: Oh that's oh, yeah, okay.
0: My number five is Endgame. Yeah, bumped out. And then this is sixth for me. 7th is Ant-Man, 8th is First Avenger, ninth is Far From Home and 10th is Black Widow. Mm -hmm. Black Widow I actually had higher having just seen it but really objectively Black Widow hasn't held up as well for me as I thought it would do and then you see this film and think my god this is like this is amazing and makes Black Widow seem a bit more of an afterthought which is really harsh but I did enjoy it. What do you think about the cast? So let's, just t- let's talk about them before we dip into just a couple of spoilery bits before we wrap up on Shang-Chi. Um, Simu Liu, great lead. Do you feel he carried the film well? He did. Carried the action well? He did. Yeah, I thought he was absolutely excellent, and I can't wait to see what is next for him. We'll talk about some of that in just a second, but it'll be interesting to see when they get to a point where there's another team-up film, how he will fit in with the the landscape of the whoever the Avengers are now.
1: I don't know much about his background. What's he come from? What's he done?
0: So, he was in an animated series for one episode called Corner Gas Animated as Gerald Mesmerizer. He's in 65 episodes of Kim's Convenience. He's, so, he's one of the leads in that. I think that's the thing that people know him from most. A film called Women Is Losers. Uh, oh, he was in an episode of Aqu- uh, Aquafina Is Nora from Queens. I can't, I've i never watched that, but I kind of quite like Tina. So, I don't know very much about Aquafina. I only the first thing that I had ever seen her in that I know was her was obviously the most recent Jumanji film. Mm. She is she's in that she does an amazing Danny DeVito impression when the when his spirit passes into her body. But her her TV series is Aquafina is Nora from Queens, uh, which I have not seen but is is supposedly very very good. He's also been in one episode of Fresh Off the Boat, a TV mini series called Yappy. He's in fifteen eps eps. Ooh. Episodes of uh, the expanse on sci fi. Just trying, I'm gonna scroll through really quickly. Oh he's in one episode of Orphan Black as Mr. Mitchell. Uh, anything else? He was in one episode of Beauty and the Beast, the T V series. He was in Fall Out Boys Video for centuries as Pete Wentz a Gladiator. So maybe a body, uh, he must been a body double. Uh he's also in the Akira project. One episode of Warehouse Thirteen as a bartender. So we're going right back here. Uh, and one episode of Nikita, which was like a slightly cheaper version of Alias, as Desk Officer. Mm. Yeah, he's awesome though. Uh, and so we talked about Aquafina for a second there. What did you think of her as Katie? I like Aquafina. I
1: liked her in that film as well. Jumanji? No, not Jumanji. The other one. Oh, she was a dragon.
0: Oh, of course. She was in uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. I'd completely forgotten her voices in that. Yeah, she. I mean, she has a very distinctive voice. I really appreciate the fact that, and I, I maybe it changed slightly by the end of this film, but that it's not a romantic relationship between these two.
1: I really appreciate that. At the end, I thought, please don't kiss her. Yeah. Don't ruin this film by kissing her. Yeah, she exactly. She you. She can shoot a bow now. <laughs> she Keep can shoot, love. yes.
0: She can shoot a bow and arrow now. She's fine.
1: She's technically a Disney princess.
0: She is technically a Disney princess. Uh, but I, I wondered whether you would appreciate that as well. But there is, there's just something refreshing when Hollywood doesn't immediately go... It's a man and a woman. They need to re- be romantically involved. And I really hope that's not something that happens down the line. They should just be best friends. Because it works and it's hilarious. We'll be here forever if we go through the whole ensemble. My other highlight has to be Michelle Yeoh. Who I just think is awesome in everything she's ever in. Philippa Georgiou from um, Discovery. No,
1: there is a martial arts expert. There
0: is a martial arts expert. There's a martial arts expert who kicked James mm-hmm. Bond's ass... In fact, there is a martial artist that the stunt team on James Bond didn't even want to touch because they were so worried about her. From the school of Jackie
1: Chan. Yes. Yeah.
0: And absolutely brilliant in this. As is uh, Tony Lung, as the the dad of um, Shang-Chi and his sister. The tangerine. <laughs> yes, the the tangerine chicken dish. You can't see that. That's what he says in the film. Does he? Yeah. Oh. He says it's a chicken dish.
1: That's the Mandarin I was being a joke saying he's not the Mandarin, he's the Tangerine.
0: Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Right, so pause there and we'll just discuss some spoilers from from here on out for the last couple of minutes on Shang-Chi. So if you haven't seen it yet, jump ahead sort of five minutes-ish. So Ben Kingsley is back in this film as Trevor Slattery. Now, that's not a huge spoiler, but I think uh, the the spoiler is that his role is actually quite significant. It's not just a, a throwaway moment. What do you think of him? Did he redeem himself for his role as, in air quotes, the Mandarin in uh, Iron Man 3?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit on the fence about his involvement in the whole thing.
0: Really? Tell me why. I
1: don't know. I just didn't... Oh, I felt a bit too slapstick.
0: There, uh, That's something that I did wonder would whether it would put you off this film, is there is still some of that Marvel humour in there, even in the midst of some of the the heaviest action scenes.
1: I mean, it was it was funny... But I was really like, hmm, it down just a little bit and I'll be all right.
0: I was weirdly sad that I thought he had died in the scene where he plays dead and the chicken pig, uh, Morris, is like,
1: that's very good Morris.
0: That was. It was also my impression of an adipose from Doctor Who. Oh,
1: mm. <laughs> um, what was that? We're talking about Trevor. I'm just, I'm just going to like a Donna Noble place now where she bangs in the window.
0: Yes. All right. Uh, Back to, back to, back to Shang (laughs) Chi. That was me shouting through a glass window, not. Yes. So you weren't sure about the comedy.
1: No, I wasn't sure, and I didn't like his accent either. He was supposed to be Scouse, but he wasn't really Scouse. He was Scouse sometimes, but then he wasn't Scouse. And I was like, just pick an accent. Hollywood Scouse.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's English.
1: I just wish you would have been like proper Scouse But then I realised that the American accent And the American audience even Probably wouldn't have understood a Scouse accent <laughs> What
0: well, do you think about some of the other bits of humour in the film So you've got the uh, You've got Razor Fist the, the, the Romanian guy that's part of the Ten Rings organisation Who towards the end of the film They have that moment where uh, Shang-Chi's sister says you know, We need to team up because we're basically Rogered because of the What's coming out of the the dark space I don't remember Roger coming out of a dark space. And he's sort of of like, no, no, I'm going to kill you. And then he sees someone and he's like, oh, uh, yes, we should team up. What do you think
1: about some of that? Well, that's just Marvel humor, isn't it? That's just how they break the tension in a big moment.
0: Yeah. But did it work for you
1: here? Yeah, it was all right. I'm used to it now.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then lastly on this film, before we move on, uh, post-credit scenes. What did you think of post-credit scenes? I enjoyed both of them. Mm Hmm. Did you have a preference of which one you preferred? Probably the second one. Really? Okay, so talk to me about this. So there's two scenes. The first one uh, features uh, Shang-Chi and Katie back at their their favourite bar with two of their their friends when they are interrupted by... Oh, no, wait, that's the last scene of the film. Uh, Wong has interrupted them and taken them off to, I guess, Camatage. I almost forgot the name there. Uh, I don't think it's the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's Camatage to his library.
1: And how would you spell that?
0: Uh, K A M A R Hyphen T A J.
1: It's a silent M at
0: the beginning of that. <laughs> mm <comment laughs> <out>. uh, <laughs> Yes, so in the in the post credit scene, the first post credit scene, you see him there discussing the Ten Rings, so we'll talk about that in a second. And then the second scene goes back to uh the the Ten Rings organization, the terrorist organization, and sees that they have a new leader. So why was that your, your favourite of the two? That
1: wasn't the last scene, that was the scene after that with a called karaoke.
0: No, that's the first post credit oh, scene.
1: Oh, I I thought, I thought it was too different. Uh, so your
0: preference is the first post credit scene. Yeah,
1: I do like the second post credit scene as well though. I like the female
0: empowerment and all that. There was a lot of female empowerment in this film, which was actually really nice to see. Okay, so let's talk about the first one then. I'm very
1: impressed that you got Wi Fi signals so high up in the mountains.
0: I know, I, exactly. But there was a big satellite dish on top of the the Ten Rings organization. Um okay, so Wong discussing the Ten Rings. What do we think? Where what where, where do we think that goes? Or are you probably going to say to me, I don't know enough about Marvel to tell you anything?
1: Oh, I don't know enough about Marvel to anything, but it's something to do with space.
0: What do you think about the two cameos? You can you can mention who they are.
1: Oh, no, I don't think
0: I can. Well, we've, we've said spoilers from here on out. so.
1: Well, there were two cameos. They were all right. I mean, they're probably not my two favorite characters, but it, it starts to world build again, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And Kevin Feige said the same thing, that what people won't really realize is that This is like phase one, version two, so that the world building has now been going on for a little while towards what will come the next group up. I really liked it. I'm interested by one of the characters because they do not appear the same as they were the last time we saw them. They appear quite drastically different and I'm interested to know why. The other character is interestingly being referred to by many as uh, this being their favorite appearance by this person because they seem very relaxed within the role and not trying as hard to make a good impression. Interesting. Yeah. And then the final scene is, uh, as you <laughs> just realized, it's not your favorite of the two post credit scenes. Harks back to the 10 rings and we see that Jai Ling, uh, Shang's sister has now taken over her father's business and is now in charge of the Ten Rings organization and has allowed women in because that's a, that's a major part of the film is the fact that she was not allowed to train with her brother. She was ignored. It's all about the men. And now she's made it. The genders are equal in terms of oh, terrorist organization, <laughs> but it then ends with a screen that says the, the Ten Rings will return. So clearly there are plans for them in the future. so we have to wait and see? Final thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings.
1: Uh, very good uh, Go and watch
0: it Highly recommend Highly recommend Highly, highly recommend I agree Amazing film One of Marvel's best Oh, in fact it, it basically almost ranks As my number one Origin story From the MCU So it is one of Marvel's Best solo movies Ever So cannot recommend it enough As we said at the top Of the, the piece Shang-Chi and the Legend Of the Ten Rings Is in cinemas Globally Now So next up this week, we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms, which is available now on DVD, Blu-ray, 4K and digital from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Our team of heroes are besieged by the enemy forces of Shao Kahn, forcing Raiden and his group of warriors into a deal to compete in a final Mortal Kombat that will determine the fate of the realms. Now our heroes must travel to Outworld in order to defend Earthrealm and simultaneously Scorpion must find the ancient Kamidogu before it's used to resurrect the One Being, which would mean certain destruction of all things in the universe. Time is short, the stakes are high in this action-packed continuation of the Mortal Kombat journey. So this is a direct follow-up to last year's Scorpion's Revenge. Uh, It's fair to say that this one blows the world of Mortal Kombat wide open in comparison to that character portrait that we had last year, although there were, obviously, there was fighting in there. Uh, This film is freaking huge. I don't want to dwell on this too much because we've got other people who can tell us about this film, which we will get to in just a second, but wanted to know your thoughts on this, Boy Wonder. Did you enjoy this? How did this compare to Mortal Kombat live-action for you?
1: Um, It was okay, I I didn't enjoy it as much as the first
0: one. Okay, because it was so big, because this film really is very, very big.
1: I don't know what it is about it, I just enjoyed the first one more, I think. Mm, Okay,
0: that's interesting. I think there's a lot to really enjoy in both of these films, and it was interesting to learn in talking to the creative team that when they were commissioned to make the first film, they were commissioned for two, so they always knew that they were going to be making two. So that's why they did it the way they did, it's one kind of journey through the two films so that scorpion has a journey that runs right through it as does Liu kang so that i thought was really interesting what impresses me the most about this film and some of it is there in the in the synopsis is how much they pulled from all the different mortal kombat games can you tell me the year in which the first mortal kombat game was released no can you guess probably not do you want to yes Uh, um don't burp (laughs) (laughs) no
1: 1980. Nope. 70. Nope.
0: 90. Yes. 3. Nope. Close. 1992. Oh. So next year is the 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat.
1: 30 years.
0: Yeah. They To you feel old. <laughs> yes, thank you. I remember playing it in arcades in 1992. you were 15. Uh, My God. You yeah. cheeky bastard. But what I'm trying to say is they pull uh, a lot of elements from across the entire 30-year history of the franchise. So the Kamadogu, for instance, is something that they pull in here, which is uh, they're like magical runes that are used to bring back godlike powers. There's a lot of different elements of Mortal Kombat lore that you probably don't get. I mean, you will see it in the games, but in terms of the storytelling when they make movies, this is not something that they generally do. It's not something that they did in the like the 90s version of the Mortal Kombat movies. But... Here it's very much a story which is befitting of the games but played in a in a movie scenario, which is great. And I'm just I was really impressed by that. And I said in my review that this film has a real tangible like foot on the gas all the way through. Like the last film, you had that very similar introduction to Scorpion, which plays a lot like the live action film, and then it goes through the the combat tournament and introduces the characters whereas here it's like okay we're starting at a 5 and we end at like a 15 and we're just going to rock it from one to the other and it's just constantly escalating So I was, I appreciate that I think they did an amazing job and I love the animation style The, the okay gore how do we feel about the gore in this film because there is I'm going to say a shit ton of it
1: yeah there was a lot of drippy gore
0: hmm. but I think there are people who can talk to us about this film much better who know it much better than you and I do So, first up, let's have a sit-down chat with producer of both Mortal Kombat Legends movies, Rick Morales, for his story on how this film came about. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hi, Neil.
2: I'm doing okay. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, I am very well, thank you. Good to talk to you. Okay, so... um... I, I caught up with Jeremy yesterday to talk about uh, Battle of the Realms, and he mentioned that he started working on the the story for this film kind of pretty much after Scorpion's Revenge. So, was it always kind of in your mind that there was going to be a sequel to that movie? Did you did you see, did you kind of hope see that it was going to continue?
2: Uh, yeah, we we knew we knew pretty early on that we'd be able to to, to do another one of these, and uh, so we you know when we started planning the first one we had it in the back of our heads where, where it would lead and, uh, uh, you know, what path we were going to take it.
0: And then having kind of honed in on Scorpion with that first film, was it always kind of in your mind as well to go bigger with the sequel? Because I think it's, it's quite fair to say that you really, really went big this time around. <laughs> uh, I can't stress yeah, enough, I it mean, was really big. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that the the... the you know my thought on on this was um we we wanted to do as much as we could we we didn't you know like I said, we knew early on that we were gonna we were gonna get two of these that we were gonna get to uh to be able to 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 tell one story and uh basically through two films and um um you know and that's it you know there's there's no guarantee that there'll ever be another one or anything like that, so we wanted to try to you know tell us complete a story and, and just throw as much of the mortal combat world into these films as we possibly could. And, um, yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know for me, I, I, I wanted to sort of, and I think Netherrealm was, was really on board with this too, is to kind of show things that haven't really been seen before necessarily. So, you know, um, yeah, the places we that we take this film in particular, especially at, you know towards the end of the film, are uh, you know it's 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 big, it's like it's otherworldly, and I don't think that that's something that you typically see in uh, you know in Mortal Kombat, or the Mortal Kombat that the general public at
0: least is familiar. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean you mentioned uh, working with NetherRealm. i know that uh, the co-creator ed boone also worked pretty closely with you guys on these films how was it working with them was yeah. it a good kind of collaboration to to bring it to, to animation
2: yeah i you know i think um you know when, when, i i've worked with 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 other companies before on on projects and you always hope going in like uh, that it's going to be like a good collaborative thing and that you're going to you know get on well and all that um Ed has been amazing, you know, Ed, Ed and his team. I, like I really look to them to make sure that, that we're doing justice to, to their creation. You know, he, he's the guy, he's the, he's the guy that created this stuff. He knows, he knows more about it than, than I ever will, you know? And, um, um, so the, the great thing about them is that they they are open to new ideas. They are open to, um, us taking this franchise places that possibly you know no one has has seen before, and in fact they're very encouraging to, to do that. You know, um, uh, but they also keep us on the right path. You know, if, if we're if we're going askew on a design or something like that, and, and it, it's all about being faithful to the you know to the subject matter. And um, they've been very good guides for us and, and very good collaborators as well.
0: I think you can feel that when you watch the movies as well. I think faithful is is definitely the right word to use, which is which is great to see as a fan, and it's a it's a very rabid vocal fan base. I think Mortal Kombat. I mean, at this point where we're at, what eleven? Mortal Kombat eleven is the most recent one. What what was the response like from the fan base to Scorpion's Revenge? And I, I mean, I know obviously th- this film isn't out yet, but, but is there? Are you feeling the anticipation amongst the fan base for for the sequel?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think people are excited about it. I mean, I was I was I was happy with the response to uh, uh, Scorpion's Revenge because you know, like you said, rabid. I think that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Yes. Word. And uh, you know, the response could have gone any number of ways, but uh, you know, I, I was I was pleased. But you know, I mean, I think ultimately, what, what I was trying to do is, you know, I'm I'm a fan of this stuff as well. You know, I mean. I don't get the the opportunity to play it as much as I, as I used to when I was a kid, but, (laughs) but I'm, I'm familiar with it and I've known the world since I was playing it in the arcades back in the, in the nineties. And, um, you know, I want to see it done right too. Yeah. You know, I want to see, I want to, I want to see the characters that I love and I, and I know these characters, you know, and I, and I know all the potential that they hold and, and, and also that, you know, um, you know, in a, in a way, uh scorpion's revenge you know it was it was close to to sort of what people were familiar with with the first live action film you know it it covered some of the same ground as far as them going to the the island and having a tournament and all that stuff it it, but you know it was it was a twist on it but it was you know it's familiar yeah there are things there are places that you could take this world that i think that you know that are unexpected like i think all of these characters um they're all pretty, they're all pretty deep. They all have layers to them. You know, you could, you could totally, you know, spend a whole movie exploring sub zero or, you know, or really drill into Sonya's motivations you know, obviously we don't, we, we don't have the time in two films to, to do all of that, but the potential is there.
1: Yeah. So oh, absolutely.
2: About, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I love about being a part of, of, of this franchise is that, um, you know, the, the possibilities really are endless. I, I look at it a bit like, you know, I've done a lot of work in the DC universe. I really don't think it's much different than that. in you know, in, in with respect to the number of characters, the, um, you know, the amount of lore and history that they've created in the games and sort of just the end, endless possibilities that, that, you know, Ed Boone and his team have, um, you know, have, Put forth in, in in even some of these later games like Mortal Kombat 11.
0: Yeah, you
2: know, some yeah. of the stuff that they do in, in that game just really opens it up. So I, I think there are endless possibilities.
0: I, I completely agree with you. It's true, and likening it to DC is 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 perfect. There is you're absolutely right. There is so much there, and it was something that Jeremy and I talked about yesterday. And the potential for you know other tournament films, solo films. There's there's so much there, and I was. Doing a bit of research on it just earlier before uh, before chatting to you, and I hadn't even realized. Like you said, I remember playing it in in arcades back in the nineties, but I hadn't realized that next year's the thirtieth anniversary. What do you What do you think makes the franchise so enduring? I, I both. I mean, it makes me feel old to think that it's thirty next year, but it's amazing that it's lasted <laughs> as it has.
2: Yeah, yeah, especially for something that was so like. Um... I don't know almost divisive when it was initially released because of the amount of blood and, and yeah. more, which is really quite laughable when you look back at, at <laughs> what was in the original Mortal Kombat you know compared to compared to what what they do and what we do now um I think you know the the places that they were drawing from uh, like look when when uh when this project was was proposed to me initially years ago uh the first thing I thought you know being familiar with it was well, yeah, of course. This has everything that I would want to work on. It's got magic and monsters and ninjas, and you know, it's got everything that you would want to do. And and I so I think there's something for everyone in in this. And I think that's why it's enduring. They're they're pulling from all these these you know cultural uh, phenomenon, people that uh, or things that people really know and understand. You know, um, um, Bruce Lee and you know, sci-fi movies and yeah. and horror films. And it's, it, it's all wrapped up into one like little package. So there's, I think that's part of the reason is, is, you know, and the characters have become so iconic, you know, I mean, uh, Liu Kang, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, like, I don't know. Is there anyone that doesn't know who these, who these are? You know, I, I, I put them on the level of a, of a, you know, a Batman or a, or a Scooby Doo at this point, yeah. <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. You you are absolutely right. As you were saying it, I was just thinking it. It is, it's that it's that same kind of proliferation in the Zeitgeist, like like your Supermans and your Batmans. It's it's unbelievable. Just again with the cast of characters, how there are so many characters in this film. What was that conversation like between the creative team trying to decide who to include in in this film this time around? <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, it was difficult. I mean, uh, it, it was very difficult. We, we knew we wanted to, to introduce some, some new characters, you know, and show open up the world a little bit, show a little bit more than what we could in the first one. Um, but narrowing that down was, was a task, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to be quite honest with you, there, there are characters that didn't make it into the film that were planned to, to be there. Um, but, um, you know, one, 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 Uh, Character that early on that we that we talked about, and we actually I think in maybe one of the the first drafts of the script um, was Nightwolf. Uh, You know he played he played a role really early on, and and uh, it just you know it was too much. We you know it was like we wanted to add these characters in, we wanted to, but you have to also be able to to stay with them a little bit and learn a little bit about them and you know, feel like they're a part of the story. You know, I, I didn't want some of these characters to just be, you know, Easter eggs for the fans and things like that, you know, because I think I think they deserve more.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think there's a there's a really wonderful balance in both films actually. I mean obviously this one is is much bigger and has a has a larger cast. But I do think that there is a beautiful balance there between the fights which you, you would expect from the franchise and, and the character moments it's it's clear that that was important to you guys when you were crafting the films that these were more than just as you say easter eggs for fans that they're they're real characters that and Jeremy said it perfectly yesterday was that you know almost every single one of these characters is someone's favorite so how do you decide who to kill who to include who not to include it's it's almost an impossible task but it's done so well.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, we we tried very hard, and uh, you know, I mean, again, it, it it comes down to you know with with Jeremy and I. I mean, we we've worked on so much together, and, and yeah. we're such uh, you know friends and and partners at this at this point that you know we just have conversations about this stuff, um, you know, before we even start writing, and and you know, it's just kind of as, as fans ourselves, like what would we want to see? What would be cool? Like, and and I think you know, I you know, I've, I've said it over and over again, but. It's it's as important to us, um, you know, for ourselves as it is for us to create for the fans. If that makes any sense, you know, um, I wanted Luke Luke Kang to be at the at the forefront of this film because I feel like he's such an important part of, you know, the 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 moral. Con- he's the he's the chosen one, you yeah. know, and and we kind of. You know, he he did play a large role in that first one, but we made a point at the end of the movie to say, like, oh no no no, this was small <laughs> potatoes for you. You've got a bigger destiny ahead, you know. And so I I really wanted to show that in in this film, and and that's why we kind of drew the the, the sort of parallel. Like at the beginning of this film, we open with a you know a little flashback to show yeah. how 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 Lu Kang came to came to be and how his relationship with uh, Raiden started. You know, and it almost you know, it almost mirrors in a way the opening to uh, *Scorpions' Revenge*, uh, which was, you know, of course, in, in, intentional. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I think that was just to say, like, hey, this is Luke Kang's movie.
0: Yeah, it's a—I I know what you mean, and it, it it bookends the story of these two films really well in that it's, you know, there's a there's a very definitive end to *Battle of the Realms*, but as you say, there is. You know, there's a universe of possibility out there. What are you working on at the moment? What's next for you now that this film is is almost out there in the world?
2: <laughs> well, well, I, I am working on things. Um, I I don't think I could say.
0: I love asking this question just for that very reason.
2: <laughs> Choke me out. But uh, uh, yes, yes, I am working on something. <laughs>
0: I can't wait to hear more. Um, All I can say is that 30th anniversary next year for Mortal Kombat is the perfect time for a sequel, if you ask me.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Best of luck with this film. I can't wait for people to see it. it. I was on the edge of my seat and I did not know who was going to be safe by the end of it. So it was quite a wild ride.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad. I mean, I think that's that's the one thing that we wanted to, to to do with this film was make it, you know, just big and you know unexpected and you know as as thrilling as we could. I mean,
0: we we really just wanted it to be a ride. Yeah, I I definitely think you've achieved it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks to that was Rick. He was really cool to talk to. Uh, it's nice to talk to somebody who. I mean, always these people are fans of the things that they're talking about, but. To hear him talk about the fact that he remembers going to play it in arcades. It's just it's nice to know that it's a project that means a lot to him and it's not just another another day in the office, per se. But let's get a little bit more about the story of this film. So I was also lucky enough to sit down with I'm I'm gonna call him like friend of the family at this point because this is the third time. Yeah, third time that Jeremy Adams has been on this podcast. He was on for Uh, scorpion's revenge he is also on for justice society of america world war ii and he's back again to now tell us about writing battle of the realms so here's my chat with jeremy about making this film hey jeremy how are you doing today
3: i'm doing okay (laughs) you know just uh trying to make it through this crazy world so uh (laughs) what's going on
0: guys (laughs) aren't we all aren't we all yeah so, Mortal Kombat Legends, really? uh, take me back to the start yeah. on this one. When did you know that you were coming back to write uh, a second film in this this kind of burgeoning franchise? Should um, we call it?
3: We 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 pretty much knew right away. So I I turned in the first one, and obviously in the first one I you know left it off with like talking about Liu Kang. Hey, you're not supposed to defeat this guy. You you're supposed to defeat you know, the big, the big honcho, the big head honcho. And so we knew right away um, the second movie was, I think we truncated it a little bit uh, just because there's so much mythology in Mortal Kombat and, and trying to thread the needle of like tell as much as we possibly could because we're just like, we didn't know if it would be a success or not. uh, The first one or the second one. And so what we wanted to do with both of them was with the first one to give kind of a flair of like, hey, this is Mortal Kombat. This is a on-ramp for people that may not be familiar with it. And then with the second one, uh, you know, especially for fans, they know how big the universe is. But to show other people that are already on from the first one, this is how big the universe is. And we haven't even scratched the surface (laughs) because – I think what Ed and Dominic and the story team over at NetherRealm have done for, you know, what is it, 11 games have created a really intricate and complicated uh, universe, and we just tried to distill it down because we're like, hey, we got two shots at this, you know? (laughs) And so this is our chance to kind of explore some bigger concepts. Uh, And Rick was really, uh, um, you know, uh, really excited about that aspect. He wanted to talk about the Elder Gods. He wanted to talk about the... Komidogu and some of that stuff, and, and so we had to just figure that out all while going, yeah, and there's going to be a tournament, you know, and 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 so a lot of it was there in some of the original uh, video game stories, and we just tried to put it together into, you know, a narrative format for, you know, a movie, so...
0: I was going to say to you, I mean, the the Kamidoga, you just mentioned it there, is obviously that was introduced, I think, if my memory is correct, in Mortal Kombat Deception, and then was kind of brought back in some of the more more modern games. But there is, and you've just touched yeah. on it there, there is so much media across this franchise. There are so many characters and so much story. Yeah. How how do you go yeah. about researching? Do you, do you kind of lean on that team at NetherRealm to try and help pull some of the different aspects that you can put into the story?
3: Well, luckily, I, I mean... Um, ed and, and dominica told me that like oh you know this fan base is really very like really excitable and they have a lot to, and and so just doing some first starting out with my own research of what are the toys we're going to want to play with luckily there are so many fan wikis and fan sites that have yeah. expertly broken down everything so it's an easy way for me to access that information and then what i do is you know, we'll put up how many characters we want to use or what characters we can use. And we have to check and say, like, hey, can we use these characters? Can we kill off these characters or not kill <laughs> off these characters? The the one the one the one sad thing about Mortal Kombat that's really hard is every character is somebody's favorite character. Yeah. But the the, the paradox is and yet this is the most violent game <laughs> to ever exist. And so <laughs> people have to die, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so knowing that you're going to have to, like, kill people and, um, and knowing that, that, that it might be somebody's favorite. And, and it's still one of those things, even when we wrote it, like, we had to, I turned into a fairly large script, and so we had to take um, out some subplots and stuff for stuff that I, I was super excited about and, and to explore the world even further. But there's only so much time. So we're hoping that you know, hey, this will be well received, and that we'll be able to dip our toes back in the universe again and again because it's been really fun, and it's been overwhelmingly a positive reaction from the fan base. Um, and part of that is because our animation team, the storyboard guys, the animation uh, groups, you know, uh, Ethan and, and Rick, they they really took cues from the game, and and they just amped that violence up which is really really fantastic. and I, I there was one there's one particular thing with Stryker that happened that i go i remember writing it in the script based off of a fatality
0: and <laughs> i know not what you're to talking spoil about
3: anything <laughs> yeah and i remember going like oh my gosh that is just too much and they're like you wrote it i'm like yeah but it didn't look like that in my brain like you know, it's, it's like you guys you guys took it to the nth degree again you know so yeah, no, it was really, it was really fun,
2: really fun.
0: I, uh, I can't wait for people to see it. I mean, I, like you said, the reaction to the first one was so positive. I think it's gonna, um, it's gonna absolutely blow people's minds watching this. I mean, I, I mean, did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I, I watched this last night, and I was. I I think the only way I can say it is in terms of films this year, I thought going into the Suicide Squad was the only time I needed to worry about characters I loved being killed <laughs> off. But watching this film is like a roller coaster.
3: I know, I know. But you know, you can't you can't literally I mean there's a thing. This no, problem, you can't win right? like, You can't like, win. You can't win. It's the Kobayashi Maru of game. Like I don't know what to tell you uh, That's a brilliant reference uh, as but, well.
2: You know, when, uh,
3: one of the great things about this uh, franchise so far, like especially the first two, I mean, one of the standout players is is Joel McHale. And I can't say enough good things about the fact that a, um, he's not going to let me get away with a bad joke. He's going to try to come up with something better. (laughs) If it doesn't hit much, or we're going to talk about it. And he really came to play Uh, Jennifer Carpenter. I mean, like everybody involved um, really did a great job. And, um, and i don't know i i'm excited because it is that kind of like crazy globe not globe trotting but uh dimension trotting yeah. you know fight adventure uh that that i love that it, it, it feels like a throwback movie in some way
0: yeah but, i know what, um, you mean, yeah. what
3: i think what i really loved was something that we didn't get to explore as much in the first one and that is just being able to you know, Liu Kang is the star of Mortal Kombat in a lot of ways. And people were giving me flack. And I remember with well, oh you, you you nerfed you know, you nerfed Liu Kang, you nerfed Liu Kang and I was like but I knew because <laughs> I had written another one and it was already being animated. I'm like, oh Okay, that's, that's it, it, not only did I not nerf him, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> giving him that moment of insanity. And uh, Jordan Rodriguez is such a good job, and it and and I think we brought a lot of heart to to Liu Kang's story, uh, especially with the beginning. I think both movies really benefited from having this kind of like emotional underpinning, where in Scorpion's Revenge, you, you really got that that history with Hanzo. And his family. And then the same thing with Liu Kang, seeing the relationship between him and Raiden. And, yes. and that was something in the writing that really came out to me and really had fun to figure out. Not just Liu Kang, but uh, I found myself really digging into Raiden in a way that I didn't expect. And seeing him as more than you know Christopher Lambert or yeah. um, maybe a, a, a motionless figure. It's like, who is this guy? Why is he... The guardian of earth realm like what what is it and and just just his his love of lou king uh i thought was really well done so
0: i was going to ask you about that and i know it's something that you and i talked about when we were talking about balancing out the story for for justice society world war Two. Yeah. but how do yeah. you how, how do you balance out all of that action with all of that character because there is I mean, it's the kind of thing where you get to the end of it and think, hang on a minute, was that 90 minutes or was that, you know, did I just watch two and a half right. hours because there's so much in there? <laughs> how, how how do you yeah, do that? <laughs> I, I
3: mean, for me, I, I really, I and some of it, some of it was, like I said, some of it was truncated because I, I really tried to find the little arcs for each character. and And what's so great is, you know, it is, it's is—it's that Han Solo, uh, you know, Princess say saying, I love you, and him saying, I know, you know, it's that, that's like such a formative writing experience because mm, yeah. if you're a nerd of any quality, you know that originally there was a big long monologue or something that Han Solo had to say and Harrison Ford was like, no, you know, this is what it's going to be. The cool thing is I get to rely on these voice actors in ways that I know I can do something very simply and very quickly and know that they can pull it off. And that's kind of part of my mission is like, I don't want to just have a fight scene with Johnny and somebody. I want that fight scene to inform Sonia and her, you know, begrudging affection of Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, It's like, I, I, I don't want Jax to just be in a fight. I want to call back to the most traumatic moment of Jax's, you know, life and then see him kind of overcome that. With you know, by by kind of do, and originally I think I had like, I tried to use a different character. It was like, Mm. and and they were like, no, you can't do it. So (laughs) there is there is elements of that. By the way, you know, I when I run past characters and run past things, we have to find out who we can and can't
0: use. Mm, Yeah.
3: Um, but with Battle of the Realms, I what I hope that Mortal Kombat fans will do is I hope they'll give us a lot of grace for the fact that we just truncated like, I don't know, like seven games into one movie, <laughs> you know, we tried to tie in a bunch of plots, uh, you know, and a bunch of like, I mean, the fact that we had the elder gods, the fact that, you know, like I said, the Komi uh, Dogu, you know, the fact that we're talking about Bihan and, yeah. you know, the Sub-Zero and Cyrax success, you know, all that stuff is huge swaths of, Lore and plot that we try to put together. It, it, you know, we were maybe maybe our eyes were too big for our stomach, but we tried.
0: No, not at all. I mean, from my perspective, I think it worked really well. It doesn't feel truncated. It it felt like a really well contained story in in this film. And yet, there's plenty of room for for more. And I'd love to hear if you've got any ideas right. about what you'd like to do next. But it's still no. there's still a self contained <laughs> story there. The you know there's a beginning, a middle, and yeah. end to this part of. the the the, the Mortal Kombat law, so I I, for me it worked brilliantly, but but yeah, any any ideas about what you might like to do next? Oh yeah, yeah, lots of ideas, (laughs) 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 and that's
3: all, and that's all all you will say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want people to really enjoy this, and I hope people pick it up. I hope that we can explore Mortal Kombat not just from the vantage point of the tournaments. You know, now that we've set those up, uh, I would love to. You know in my dream world it would be like I would love to have solo movies
0: you know yeah, I would yeah. love to
3: be able to it, go off and explore a thousand different characters in a thousand different ways because again scratch the surface like if, if if I was HBO max or so if I was control of the world like <laughs> you have a game of you have a Game of Thrones franchise in a way you yeah, have you things do. like Adini, the fall of Adinia, you have all these other realms in and in those realms, sorted histories, you have the fall of Shang Tsung. Like, you know, like how did he become this, gone from, you know, Earth realm to this, uh, you know, guy that's working for the bad guys? Like, all that stuff. There's so many cool, cool ways you could go that, um, A, have ever either been set up in the video games yeah. or comics or other media or uh, haven't been set up and are just blank. Parts of the the lore that are begging to be filled, but regardless, I'm so grateful. NetherRealm worked closely with us. They were so kind to help us. They've been nothing but um, enthusiastic about the movies, which uh, has has really bolstered our spirits. Because That's if great. we didn't have Ed and Dominic's uh, blessing, I think it would be I think
0: it would be hard. And I yeah. think the fans would know. You know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they would they would be able to tell if there was a disconnection there and that's, that's definitely not yeah. something that you get watching these. So was there anybody that you wanted to use that you weren't able to then in this one?
3: Yeah. Nightwolf.
0: Mm, sure. Okay. Um, uh,
3: uh, 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 there was some other ch- characters that I'm trying to think, I don't know what they're going to put on the DVD <laughs> You know, <laughs> or, or not, but um, uh, I, we had a great idea for Nightwolf and um, for whatever reason, uh, I wanted I wanted to put that in, and there's some other funny ideas I have, so we'll see. But but anyways, it, yeah, it, Nightwolf was the one that comes to mind that I was like, oh man, I wish we could used him. And there were some bad guys we couldn't use either. Okay. Um, just maybe because, next time. Uh, other stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I can talk to that guy until the cows come home. He's lovely. We have a really, like, you can hear it in that interview, but we had a really good laugh talking about this. Moo. I also really like asking them, um, like, what are you working on now? Because in this day and age, they're just like, uh, stuff. (laughs) Like, I can't tell you. And it's fun. Most of the time they play ball with you and they're like, I wish I could tell you, but I can't. Sometimes they can be a bit cagey, but Jeremy certainly is not. My final thoughts on this are I highly recommend that you sit down and watch both Scorpion's Revenge and Battle of the Realms back to back because it's quite a marathon and it's really, really fun to watch the journey from start to finish. If you want to check out my review, it's up now on our website, www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. My verdict was Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms is the quintessentially perfect follow-up to Scorpion's Revenge. Bigger, bolder and braver in every way, it proves why a Mortal Kombat animated franchise deserves to exist. And as I said at the top of the segment, Battle of the Realms is available now from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, Ultra HD and digital now where all good films are sold. Okay, last up this episode we're talking about something a little bit different which is Apple Original Films filmed production of the Tony and Olivier award winning Broadway musical Come From Away. Come From Away tells the story of 7,000 people stranded in the small town of Gander, Newfoundland, after all flights into the US are grounded on September 11, 2001. As the people of Newfoundland graciously welcome the Come From Aways into their community in the aftermath, the passengers and locals alike process what's happened whilst finding love and new hope in the unlikely and lasting bonds that they forge. The live performance of *Come From Away* was filmed at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theatre. I probably pronounced that wrong. This past May in New York City, where the Broadway production is staged, for an audience it included 9/11 survivors and frontline workers, and employed over 200 people, including members of the Broadway crew, staff, and creative teams. The cast that starred in this live film production are Petrina Bromley, who plays Bonnie, Jen Callella, who plays Beverly, Annette, and others. DeLon Grant as Bob and others. Joel Hatch as Claude and others. Tony LePage as Kevin T and others. Cesar Samoya as Kevin J, Ali and others. Q Smith as Hannah and others. You'll, there's a theme here, everyone plays more than one character. Astrid Van Weeren as Beulah. Very, I struggle because it's spelt wrong in the press release as Belua, Beulah and others. Emily Walton as Janice and others. Jim Walton as Nick and Doug and others, Sharon Wheatley as Diane and others, and Paul Whitty as Oz and others. This filmed production will premiere globally on Apple TV Plus on Friday, September the 10th. It's directed by the Tony Award winning Christopher Ashley, who directed the original Broadway production, and has original book, music, and lyrics by Tony and Grammy Award nominee and Olivier Award winners Irene Sankoff and David Hine. This is why I don't talk about musicals. There's too many people, and there's too many names, and it's quite a mouthful. I struggle. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, sorry. It's just it's a lot to say when you haven't sort of rehearsed it first.
1: Well, you mean you always have lots to say, so <laughs> you
0: should be used to it. Weirdly and fortuitously, we actually saw the West End version of *Come From Away* just a couple of days before we watched the screener of this filmed production. So we were we were a little bit steeped in *Come From Away* last week.
1: We were knee deep and come from away.
0: now I have to say and anybody that knows me well will know that I'm not a big fan of musical theatre that's not any stretch of the imagination however and this is why I went after a screener of this film uh, this really really hit me quite hard I'm shocked really yeah why well when we sat
1: through Limas, you said to me I don't understand what's going on why is everybody crying
0: Yep, I mean, I do, I have no idea from watching Lameez what the story of Lameez is. It's just shite.
1: Okay, uh, you did said so similar thing in Be More Chill. What's going on? Why are they singing? Is it? it
0: I like, like Be More Chill. Well, you another first time I saw it, you were like, really, mm. I was unsure the first time I saw it. I enjoyed it more the second time. But yeah, I, I understood the story though. The story. I feel like there's a story that makes sense in that film, whereas I just don't feel like I just I don't know what Lameez is. It just is just an onslaught of singing. A musical. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I went into this not really sure how I would react to it. But actually, I think it's a beautifully written story. I think it's beautifully acted. I think it's really well staged. And it's a very meaningful story about a brief period in people's lives.
1: It's like a week, isn't it? It's just.
0: Uh, so it starts on September the 11th, obviously, and ends on the, the 15th or 16th when they finally leave Gander. Well, actually, and then it jumps ahead to the future, obviously, uh, which is... <laughs> spoiler alert! Sorry. Uh, anyway, draw it back in. What did you think of the, the, the version that we actually saw in the West End before we talk about the film?
1: Um, I thought it was really good. I loved it. It um, was, what, our fourth attempt in trying to see it.
0: Yeah, I think you said we booked the tickets two years ago. Yeah,
1: and then lockdown one, two, three, cast got sick or something happened and it got moved again and then we eventually got to see it. So, up until the until I was sitting in the seat, I didn't believe we were actually going to see it.
0: Yeah. And I would go see it again. I'm just saying that. Putting uh-huh. that out there. It's uh, I, The thing for me with with musicals, generally, not all of them, obviously, there are ones that I've appreciated more than others. I just feel like... Really? Yeah. Name me two. That I've liked. Yeah. Come from away. No, apart from that. Be more chill the second time round. Alright, and another one? Beetlejuice. Yeah, oh, okay. Thank you very much. Um, I just feel like musicals sometimes are too happy. I feel like they're too, like, inspirational. I'm like, stop trying to make me happy. Do something dramatic. Uh, lame But the songs are all so like, Ah, it's inspirational! They all Even, die. Well, I don't know that. Do what? they? It's not well communicated through oh, the story, geez. I'm telling you. We could be here for hours talking about this. Anyway, I just think that this is, like, come from a way, as far as I am concerned, having seen the this Broadway version a couple of times from this watching this film and from the West End version, is, if you ask me, the best written, best acted, best produced piece of theatre that I have ever seen in my entire life.
1: Wow. That's high praise.
0: Mm, Absolutely. I mean, it's better than Batman Live.
1: I mean, I don't even remember
0: that. So. <laughs> it's it's better it's better than anything I have ever seen in a in theatre. Put it that way. Well, wow. as far as I'm concerned. So, I was really interested to see what Apple had done with it because I do think that sometimes they don't translate as well from what you what you see and what you feel in a theatre to what you have on screen. I think Hamilton was a great example of that. Oh, well, there you go, another one. I enjoyed. I enjoyed Hamilton. Really. Yeah, I like Hamilton. i oh, how so you hated Hamilton. No. I think it's a very entertaining and very different musical. I appreciate when musicals are different. So yesterday we went to see Back to Future the musical with um with Nicola and Chris from We Have a Hulk. And oh, you really hated that. No, I didn't excuse me. You, I said halfway through you were like, I hate this. When does it finish? I actually I think you'll find that I said to you, three songs in this is awful. And by the end I said this is a great this is a great production, but I don't like the songs. I think that's a very diplomatic thing to say oh they did wonderful lighting well no they did I mean (laughs) they do wonderful lighting (laughs) The, the the technical effects and everything that they did on stage was was brilliant but the songs in it were absolutely completely derivative and forgettable and prime example I asked you before we sat down to record this can you remember any of the songs from it and you said I said no well I remember the power of love yeah, but apart from The Power of Love and Johnny Be Good, which I'm are Johnny in Be Back to actually. the Future, of the film, can you remember any of the original music? Uh, going back in time. Hum me the melody.
1: Right, we're going back in. Do, 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 do. That was the final song.
0: Well done, you finally managed to. When I asked that you this was earlier... from the film, though. I mean, that's
1: not an original okay. song from the musical. There you go. So
0: <laughs> name me an original song from the musical. Oh, all right then. People. but this is uh, but no this is what i'm trying to illustrate for me most straight up musical theater is just completely forgettable i just think it's all very predictable and is for me is just not something that i enjoy but i enjoy it when they do something different that is memorable so i think be more chill is quite different and memorable because it's very fresh and young i think something like um book of mormon it's also very original and therefore memorable But what I think about Come From Away Is that it's actually It's very Sophisticated theatre And I said it to you after we Saw it which was that it doesn't focus On a young cast It's not all happy It's and I know Lame is Is not happy but I, I just feel like it's too much Of an onslaught to understand There's something about the way that this film is put together This musical sorry is put together That it's like lightning in a bottle for me
1: Because it's only so there isn't an admission, there isn't any let up in it, it just happens. Mm -hmm. It does, takes you on an emotional roller coaster of we're trapped in a plane, we don't know what's happening, we're drunk in a plane, we don't know what's happening, we're trapped in the middle of nowhere, we're making new friends, we're falling in love, people have died. It's all just everything. This is turning into (laughs)
0: life. This is turning into more of a comment on my thoughts of musical theatre than a review of Come From Away. did you? How do you feel like this filmed version recreated uh, what you saw in the theater?
1: I think it did it very well. I mean, it was just a, a straight up recording of the show. Hmm. Um. You do miss the sort of the atmosphere of being in a theater. You'll never be able to capture that. But yeah, it's it's the next best thing.
0: I mean, I was when we watched it. So when we saw it in the theater, I I was quite choked up towards the end. It's the song Something's Missing, which I think is probably the most poignant for me. I think that's a brilliant song. And it was the fact that in the theatre you could hear people kind of going... <laughs> and the, I mean, the girl behind me was absolutely sobbing. She was inconsolable. Uh, and I, yeah, you miss that, I think, in a, in a recording.
1: I don't know, but my it with mum, she—I <laughs> yeah, mean, your
0: mum did ball her eyes out. So let's be fair; there was still some crying in the room at the time. So you know, it they, they does, and actually, that's a good way of showing how well it translated. I mean, she had never seen the musical in the theatre, so this was her first experience of it, and yeah, it it really emotionally affected her. Something which I really appreciate is the way that this is filmed, and it is similar to how Hamilton was produced, which is that they obviously filmed it just a run through with the audience you can see the audience when the camera flips to the back of the stage at times but throughout the entire performance you don't see a camera once you don't see any impact from a production being filmed throughout it but then there are close-ups and moments where the camera is on the stage in the middle of the stage around the actors and clearly those were kind of uh, fill-in shots that they must have done later probably without the audience there but again, you never see the cameras, so as it never takes you out of it. Once you're in it, you are—you are still, for me, wholly in it until the end.
1: Agreed. Hmm.
0: What? Uh, so, my only struggle, and this is something again which I struggle with in musical theatre in general, uh, is once I've seen something, that cast is my cast, and obviously this is the Broadway cast. We saw the West End cast. How did you feel about? the actors that were in this version knowing that most of them according to the cast list uh, originated this in the original production
1: yeah it was weird so because i'd listened to most of the soundtrack anyway before and they're the voices from the soundtrack aren't the most voices of them? from the, the recorder you know my friend elaine plays it all the time mm-hmm. Um, to then see the british cast and then go back to the filming of the uk cast not the, the u.s version it did feel a little bit like oh, it's not really my cast, but at the same time, it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I guess that's a bit more confusing. I hadn't listened to it, so the only song that I knew was um, the the pilot song, which is the one that you've shown me on YouTube before to say we're going to go and see this. So I knew that song, but other than that, it, it was it was all new to me. There's probably not a lot else to say about this one really because it is it's an experience which I just highly recommend that you you experience for yourself. And if this is your first exposure to the musical and you get the opportunity to see it in a theatre I absolutely cannot recommend it enough.
1: We're reaching a strange point in the journey of the story now and that there's probably going to be a large number of people that weren't actually alive when it happened. Well that's
0: the other thing is obviously this is the 20th anniversary of September the 11th so there are now people who are turning 20 this year who will not remember it
1: so I was watching the news this morning, they're obviously talking about Afghanistan and the Taliban, and they were saying that actually 75% of the population were never actually alive when they were in power the first time around. So it's a very wow. different view on things now. So mm. when we think back of those decisions and the the things that happened and the events... How how society is managing that and remembering it and moving on with it is going to be very different because a lot of those people, you know, we've got a whole new generation now.
0: Well, actually, to be fair, there was a mother and son sat in front of us when we saw it in the West End and the the boy was probably only 10 or 12. and it never even crossed my mind at the time, but that was probably his education about what 9-11 was.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because in the show, it doesn't actually, they never talk about 9-11 Nine Eleven 11 directly they'll never see all oh, plane one plane two no tale. they don't
0: they don't mention the collapse of the towers or anything I don't think do yeah. they
1: they don't have to because the the stories of the individuals
0: yeah I mean, it's touched upon in uh, uh, again something's missing when they talk about seeing it when those who lived in New York return to it and the, the impact of it is there but even without directly referencing it or having any scenes that take place there or or mentioning it you still get the full emotional impact of what that felt like and anybody that was alive when it happened will absolutely no doubt remember exactly where they were at the time it happened as well. Mm. My second day ever of college. I
1: remember sitting in a classroom at school.
0: Hmm. It's very it's very sobering, let's put it that way. So I think let's let's leave that one let's leave an exploration of Neil's thoughts on musical theatre right there and say that both of us cannot recommend this enough, which I mean, coming from Martin is high praise as a connoisseur of musical theatre. Coming from me, who is a total Luddite, this is a masterpiece. So I honestly cannot recommend it enough.
1: And now's the perfect time to see it because it's London Theatre. They say it's London Theatre Week, but it's really London Theatre Month. So Hmm. most of the tickets Tickets are are on
0: sale. Yeah, check it out in the West End. And you can watch this filmed version of the Broadway uh, production of Come From Away on Apple TV Plus from Friday, September the 10th onwards. That's it for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think it's time we bring back some comics. I need to do some serious reading and catching up. That was my... We've just had two weeks off work. If you listen to the last episode, you'll know that we were discussing when we were going to get to record this episode because we were going away for the weekend at the end of our holidays. I was supposed to use that two weeks off to catch up on all my comics and I somehow failed miserably. Terrible. We're going to be watching uh, Apple TV's Foundation, which is going to be the next thing that we're about to kick off. So that's going to be a really fun journey. And we'll see what's coming up. But we'll be back in two weeks' time with more news, more reviews, and more acerbic Scottish wit from the boy Wonder. So until next time, bye. bye!